Welcome to Locked On Yankees. I'm Jesse Spector, and in addition to being your host on this show and at LockedOnYankees.com, you can find me writing sports business at DealBreaker, hockey at NewJerseyDevils.com, more baseball in the pages of Rockies Magazine, occasionally doing a bit of whatever at the score, and hosting a show on Lightning Power Play Radio. In other words, I'm a freelance sports guy, used to work at the Daily News and Sporting News, and now I'm doing this. It'll be fun. Let's have fun! And there's a lot to talk about today, including more prospect rankings and the wrap-up to spring training. But first, it's time for me to eat some crow. Because last episode, I answered a mailbag question about who would be the Yankees' starting third baseman on opening day by saying I thought it would be Todd Frazier. And uh, Todd Frazier has gone, and uh, he, he will presumably be the starting third baseman on opening day in New York, uh, just with the Mets. Since he's going uh, across town as a free agent, a uh, two-year deal for $17 million, $8 million this year, $9 million next year. That would be, uh, for those of you scoring at home, an $8.5 million average annual salary uh, for luxury tax calculation purposes. Uh, I was surprised by this. I, I thought that for Frazier it would either be one year or three years. Uh, two doesn't, it's going to put him back on the market you know, in, in two years, he's going to be two years older, so it's not the it's not the benefit of the one year uh, where you can you know, just get right back into it and sort of be a fallback uh, in the Machado-Donaldson free agent class. So it's not the three years where you get that extra security uh, before kind of going into the, the twilight phase, if you will. Uh, and for, for that money, I was surprised by it. I thought that, you know, obviously this has been a winter of free agency in which you know, very, very little has happened for free agents and, and the money just doesn't seem to be there. Teams aren't spending it. Uh, kudos to the Mets for getting some good value ov- overall across the board. I mean, they've brought in Adrian Gonzalez for the league minimum and Todd Frazier for you know, below, I think, what anybody's expected price for Todd Frazier would have been. Uh, revamped their infield. They've added to their bullpen with Anthony Swarzak and brought Jerry Blevins back so might be a little bit more interesting uh the crosstown rivalry this year than than we expected it all comes down for the Mets to to their pitching and you know we'll see how that plays out for them uh we'll all know about it here in New York of of what the Mets are doing at any given time because it's impossible to ignore what the other teams in town are doing if you're a Yankee fan you know what the Mets are doing if you're a Met fan you know what the Yankees are doing you have a good general idea of it they face each other it's fun we have all have a good time. But Todd Frazier's a Met now, or he's going to be a Met. I guess that's not officially official yet, but that's that's a thing that'll happen. Uh, I did think that, you know, the Yankees would be the soft landing for him, and I certainly understand the Yankees not wanting to go two years. I, I think that for the Yankees, you know, Miguel Andujar is probably, you know, the, the guy that they're looking at here. It seems more and more to be the case. Um, you know, if, if Frazier's not there, the who else are you going to have? Uh, it, could it be a Mike Moustakas? Could it be an Eduardo Nunez? Uh, you know, Moustakas will hit you 30 homers, especially at Yankee Stadium. He'll play a reasonable enough third base. Uh, the, the cost is going to be higher than an $8.5 million. Uh, at least you would think the cost would be higher than $8.5 million. Uh, Nunez would be cheaper. Uh, 
gives you positional versatility, not just a third baseman, can also you know, fill in at shortstop, play second base, even go to the outfield every now and then if you need him to. The Yankees wouldn't figure to need any kind of extra outfielders at any point anyway. And Nunez, you know, everybody here is familiar with him, but he's he's changed since he was a Yankee a little bit. You know, a little more power now, bottom of the order kind of pop. Uh, hit for some average, but he doesn't walk at all. Uh, in his career, Nunez has 115 walks. Last year, Aaron Judge had 127. And defensively, he's still the same Eduardo Nunez. Uh, jack of all trades, master of none, that kind of thing. So he's not good anywhere that you put him. He's capable, but not good. Uh, his helmet does fly off a lot when he runs the bases, and that's fun. I, I think that you, know, you look at those two options, and Todd Frazier has the power, uh, has a solid glove at third base, good clubhouse guy, was popular among the Yankees, made sense to bring him back. Uh, I think that you know among the free agents that you would have been looking at, he should have been the Yankees' top option if that's the route that they were going to go. That is not the route that they are going, at least not with Todd Frazier, because he's going to the Mets. So it, it looks more and more like it's Miguel Andujar's job to take to win in the spring training. Uh, I don't know if it's... Is it his job to win or his job to lose? I think that we'll find out more about that as we go forward, you know, there are other possibilities. There are the other free agents who are out there. There are, you know, non-roster invitees, uh, you know, Jace Peterson and Danny Espinosa who are there, uh, but they feel a lot more like insurance that that's if something goes wrong. So maybe it is Andujar's job to lose. Um, but certainly you understand why, you know, with Andujar there now and presumably going to be the third baseman with Manny Machado being... Uh, a free agent in the winter, uh, why the Yankees wouldn't want to go two years on a free agent contract with Todd Frazier. Also makes sense why I get, you know, wanting to do two years rather than one. Um, I don't entirely get it for that money, but it's been a weird winter. So congratulations to Todd Frazier on, you know, getting to stay home. Uh, He he clearly enjoyed it when he got back to New York and now he helps... uh, Helps the Mets set up a contender, which is cool. Um, it's it's always more fun, I think, when both teams are good. So, still a lot more to talk about here. You know, more prospect rankings, uh, three top hundred lists, and uh, also the ramp up to spring training. And before we get to any of that, I should tell you that if you would like to advertise on this show, the way to do that is to send an email to Locked On NYY at gmail.com. We'll get you taken care of and uh, get you advertising on this show. We'd love to have you. So send that email, lockedonnyy at gmail.com. So the Fangraphs, Baseball Prospectus, and Zips prospect rankings are all out. Uh, Fangraphs uh, with five Yankees in their top 100. I should have written a little parenthetical there uh baseball prospectus with one two three four five also five and zips with four yankees in their top 100 which is uh the the lowest uh, number of yankees in the top 100 we've seen we'll get to that in a second for fan graphs it was uh glaber torres at number 12 which is the lowest that i think i've seen him on any kind of prospect list uh Andujar was Miguel Andujar was 14th which is as high as i've seen him on any kind of prospect list 
Uh, Justice Sheffield, 39. Albert Abreu, 59. Estevan Florial, 79. Notably absent there, uh, Chance Adams. So he is, however, on the baseball prospectus top 100, which has Glaber at number three, Florial at 26, Adams at 51, Justice Sheffield 57, and Albert Abreu 100 out of 101. Uh, then we go to Zips with our friend uh, friend of the show, Dan Zimborski. Um, he's got Glaber Torres at number six, Chance Adams at 41, Estevan Florial at 51, Miguel Andujar at 79, and Notes that Justice Sheffield is at 122 and that his projection system does not really like Sheffield in Yankee Stadium. The The article uh, at ESPN Insider that, that Dan wrote over there said that if Sheffield played for the was in the Rays system, he would have clocked in as the number 68 prospect. And I think that that, that shows you how much volatility there is in this sort of endeavor of ranking prospects that you know, a guy can be... 122, uh, you know, when you're thinking about Yankee Stadium as his home ballpark, but would be higher if he was, you know, in, in the race system. And I think that's that's an interesting. Not every not every prospect ranking system goes about it that way. Dan's is different because he he uses, you know, the Zips system, which factors in stuff like ballpark. Keith Law, for instance, at ESPN, uh, the other ESPN ranking does not do that. Um, a lot don't do that. But everybody has their own formulas. Everybody has their own special sauce for it and, and how they come to their rankings, how much you put in uh, raw information, how much you rely on scouts that you've talked to, how much you rely on you know any sort of manners of input. And, and what we've seen here throughout this prospect ranking season is that Glaber Torres is an elite prospect, one of the top prospects in the game, no matter how you look at it. Right? We've seen him outside the top 10. I think just the once. Uh, then there's disagreement, uh, is, is the only way to put it, on other Yankees' prospects and exactly where they fit. The thing to know is that you know, you're going to see a, a strong Yankees farm system this year, and they've got anywhere from you know four to seven of the 100 best prospects in the game. That's a strong farm system. That's a strong farm system at the top, and there's... There's more behind it, and this is what I've been saying all along whenever I've talked about prospects, is that that's the important thing to know. Because it also comes into play when you're talking about trades with other teams, and and that's where some of this value comes in. We know what the Yankees look like pretty much. We know what they look like in the outfield. They've got Stanton and Judge, Hicks in center field right now, Um, Gardner's there as well, Uh, Clint Frazier and that Jacoby Ellsbury rounds it out. Yankees have a, a, a an overloaded outfield right now. I would imagine that if things stand as they are, Frazier goes to AAA to get himself some at-bats. You know, not technically a prospect anymore, but he is you know part of that kind of conversation as well when you're talking about strength of farm system. Uh, and then the infield is also known. You have Greg Bird at first, uh, presumably a, a Glaber and Andujar, Mix at second and third, Didi Gregorius shortstop, Gary Sanchez catching, you know, the pitchers. The Yankees are pretty well set, and this is what we've talked about, you know, all winter. The Yankees are have only a couple of areas. Do they want to get an extra infielder? Do they want to get somebody to, you know, challenge Andujar at third base? Do they want, you know, somebody with that kind of versatility that can play second and third? They, they did add 
uh, Danny Espinosa, but he's, like I said before, more insurance than guy that you really expect to play a whole heck of a lot. You could maybe use a backup catcher. You could maybe, you know, you, you do want to get another starting pitcher in there if you could, and there are starting pitchers out there, both on the trade market and in free agency, and, you know, those that's a thing that just hasn't happened, but there aren't a lot of holes here. So when it comes to it, there's a lot of prospects being blocked because this is also a young team. So exactly how do you want to use those prospects? Do you want to have them ready to fill in for you? Do you want to have them as guys that you trade? And and where this really comes into play with the trade market is that, yeah, you've you've got you know six different lists, I think, that we've looked at in, in this offseason. Think of that as, you know, what it might look like from six different front offices around the majors as they scouted the Yankees farm system. You know, they they would come to the idea that Glaber Torres is their top prospect, but the Yankees are not going to trade that guy. You know, can you get a Sheffield or an Adams? Some teams will prefer Sheffield. Some teams will prefer Adams as, as they talk trades. Some teams, you know, will be trying to pull a fast one and, and yoink Albert Abreu away from you. He's farther away from the majors, but has, you know, some projectability. And that might be where, you know, a fan graphs ranks him 59 and his zips doesn't rank him at all. That's the kind of thing that you're talking about. So when it comes to the Yankees and making trades and, and trading from the strength of their farm system, which you anticipate that at some point will happen, whether it's before the season starts or in July, that the Yankees are not going to be the exact roster that we see now and that there is more to come, more to add to this team that is already very good that was one game from being in the World Series. When you talk about that, you know, that's that's kind of how you, you got to look at these prospect rankings, that it's different interpretations and different teams will look at it in different ways. And, and I think that that's valuable to know that it's good to have as much information as you can and and knowing that you know guy a guy might be ranked you know Andohar can be as high as 14 on a team's list and uh, as low as out of the top 100 uh, on a, on a different list and not every team is going to do things the same way not every analyst is going to look at things the same way and you know really if, if Miguel Andohar is the Yankees starting third baseman this year He's not getting traded either, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, still a lot of time for the Yankees to make trades, but not a lot of time until spring training. We are getting ready for spring training. It starts very, very soon. And the Yankees finally made made official both Aaron Boone's coaching staff and their non-roster invitees to spring training. I do want to talk about the coaching staff a little bit because I, I feel like we've been over the non-roster invitees a little bit. There were no no additions that I think... We, I, I don't know if I had mentioned Wade LeBlanc at some point, but, you know, he's not really exciting anyway. He's a, a left-handed pitcher who, you know, if, if the Yankees decide that Chase and Shreve is not going to be what it's at, you know, fine. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's a guy that's on a minor league contract. Wade LeBlanc is probably going to spend some time in Scranton, and you'll see him if you need to, you know, and it's that kind of thing. David Hale, too. Uh, other than that, it's prospects that you know, prospects that you don't know. Uh, you know, Jace Peterson's there. Danny Espinosa's there. Uh, there were no additional exciting names. So I want to talk about the coaching staff here. 
because we haven't really gotten into that in, uh, in, in any kind of detail. Three holdovers from last year. Uh, Larry Rothschild is pitching coach. Mike Harkey in the bullpen. Marcus Timms is hitting coach. Uh, Josh Bard comes in as the bench coach and Phil Nevin at third base. Reggie Willits at first, as well as the outfield instructor. Uh, P.J. Pilotier, who I think we talked about last time uh, or the episode before, one of those, uh, is the assistant hitting coach. And, and the last coach on the Yankee staff this year is Carlos Mendoza. He's the quality control coach and infield instructor. And I think that it's important to note here that Carlos Mendoza was the manager uh, of single-A Charleston, South Atlantic League, from 2012 through last year. And specifically what that means is that he has worked with Miguel Andujar before. Andujar played for the River Dogs in 2014. Uh, that year he made 26 errors in 120 games at third base. Uh, that was Andujar's first taste of full season pro ball, and he was 19 at the time. He turns 23 on March 2nd. And, and I think that having somebody that you've worked with before, obviously, you know, there's you know, a, a four years in between 2014 to 2018. But, you know, you get somebody who's familiar with you and what you can do, and, and Mendoza will get to see um, exactly how Miguel Andujar has progressed defensively over the years. And for a guy who's, whose whole knock on him, if there is a knock on him, it's supposed to be, you know, what he does with the glove and, and lapsing from time to time. The arm is supposed to be really good, and the bat is supposed to be really good. It's, it's really more... You know, what you read about is footwork and you know, sort of playing the position is, is how... And, and it's something, you know, this guy's going to be 23 years old in March. Um, he's still got time to learn and time to figure it out. And I think that the Yankees didn't make Carlos Mendoza their infield instructor specifically because of Miguel Andujar. But I think that having that as, as a pairing, as a guy that's going to work with a guy is beneficial and and is another point in the direction of the Yankees wanting this to work with Andujar at third base. And honestly, if it does work out with Andujar at third base and the Yankees feel like he's going, you know, going to be a a star kind of player, even, you know, a a, a little bit lower than the star kind of player, that can change what you do in free agency next winter. You know, you don't you're not locked into the idea of Manny Machado, um, you know, especially, and how many times have we seen guy was poised to go to X and winds up, you know, that, that doesn't happen, especially when the Yankees are involved and Giancarlo Stanton is on the Yankees now. I don't think that he's a guy that was widely expected to wind up on the Yankees. I think that, you know, for, for many, many years, it was always, when are the Red Sox going to trade for this guy and let him take aim at the green monster? And when it came down to it, that never happened. So, you know, there's there's a lot that can happen in a year. And Miguel Andujar is on the Yankees now. And the Yankees, you know, have him under team control for the next six years. So if he can, if he can make it, and he's going to be, you know, a rookie in the majors at 23, uh, let that let that happen. And, and let's see where that goes. I, I don't have a problem with going in that direction at all. And really what I think the Yankees ought to be doing, you know, if, if that's the decision that they've made, because 
look at it, you, you've got a lineup with Stanton and Judge and Gardner and Hicks and Sanchez and Gregorius and Greg Bird. If your third baseman, if you're not getting a lot out of third base, if it doesn't work and you wind up with Danny Espinosa at third base, for one thing, the trade deadline is there and you do have room to make additions at the trade deadline. But for another thing, who cares? Like, not, not not so much who cares, but like, it's not going to hurt you to to roll out with a rookie at third base in this lineup. You don't have to go big on that, and that's why, you know, what what the Yankees should really be focusing on right now is adding another arm to that starting rotation. And you know, you Darvish is right there staring at staring at you in the face, and it it hasn't happened, and uh. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's it's somebody else at the Yankees target, but you know, even Luis Severino's talking about this. He was he's in Tampa through a bullpen session on Tuesday with Larry Rothschild watching. You know, slowly but surely we're getting towards real baseball, but of course, you know, there's also a hot stove talk to be had there and, and Severino said he thought the Yankees were gonna get, get gonna get Garrett Cole. Severino said this is the quote from Yankees.com. Uh, Houston got Cole, but of course I think we need somebody else. But until we have it, I think we're good right now. I feel we can get to the playoffs and maybe get a surprise. And, you know, hard hard to disagree with that. The Yankees do have a good rotation right now. They've got Severino, Sonny Gray, Masahiro Tanaka, CeCe Sabathia, Jordan Montgomery. It's a, a good, good rotation. And I feel like, did I forget somebody in there? Huh. Hang on a second. Who did I say? No, I didn't. Severino, Tanaka, Gray, Sabathia, Montgomery. That's that's your five as it stands right now. And Adam Warren's there. Uh, somewhere between bullpen and rotation because, of course, the bullpen has Chapman, Batances, Robertson, Canely. He, you know, where does Adam Warren fit into that mix? Uh, plus all the, the other arms that the Yankees have, the young fireballers. So, Chad Green... Where, where does he fit in there? Uh, the thing is, you don't get through a year with five starting pitchers. The Yankees know that as well as anybody. You know, So, yeah, they they could stand to add, and they have room to add. You know, Whether they have $12 million left because they want to save $10 million for the trade deadline, or whether they have $20 million left and they, you know, feel like they're not going to really need that much of the trade deadline or whether they decide that the luxury tax plan is stupid when you're in the face of a market that is full of bargains right now apparently i mean todd frazier just got two years 17 million i am i i i know that this is crazy because it sounds like 17 million dollars is a lot of money and this is something that we all go through every year 17 million dollars is a lot of money to play baseball. However, the way that baseball salaries have gone up over time and and the way that markets have been, the idea that Todd Frazier, a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs for you, is not a $10 million at least a year player is mind-boggling to me. And and it's it's something that, you know, it, it just... How much money can you save overall? I mean, look at it that way. You might pay the luxury tax, but 
will that luxury tax kind of bring you to to where you would otherwise be? I don't know. I I think that you know the the more time goes by and and really the more desperate the players are going to be to find jobs, I I think it behooves the Yankees to you know throw the 197 out the window cuz they print money. And you know honestly, they win a World Series, they're going to be swimming in more money than than they know what to do with anyway. So yeah, there are some penalties on on otherwise, you know, international whatnots and and all the who's he what's us. But you know, the Yankees will be back over the the luxury tax in another. They'll be back over the luxury tax next year, and then after that, you know, they'll they'll get the twenty percent penalty, and then they'll get the thirty percent penalty, and then they'll be back over fifty. If they get under, if they're just getting under for one year, and the the benefits that they get will be for two years. And where are they really going to get out of that? If you can win a World Series, or, you know, if you're the Yankees, you're probably thinking even more than that. But if you can win the World Series this year because you were willing to blow past your arbitrarily set budgetary constraints, why would you not do that? Because you're still going to have the same core of this team, and so many players here are young. Just go out and do it, but, you know... I don't I don't think they're going to. I think that they are they can see the finish line with with 197 in their sights. And especially if they could ever find somebody to take so much Kobe Ellsbury's salary, which they will not do. Um yeah, it it would be great for them and then they could, you know, reset their luxury tax and save their money. Maybe they'll make a different trade. You know, they they do have other trades that they can make from spots where they have more on the roster. Uh, certainly out of the bullpen there's uh there's trades that can be made and out of the outfield as well we'll get to all of that as we uh as we move on until then uh mailbag friday is going to be your next episode so send those emails to locked on nyy at gmail.com or just tweet to at locked on yankees which is where you can always find the show and you can find the show on your itunes your stitcher your other podcasting services you're listening to this somehow right now and thank you for listening i hope to see you back on friday thanks so much for listening we'll see you next time